You are listening to episode 62. On today's episode, I get to interview Charles Johnson Esquire, and he took part in the brunch pitch that was put on by Tajmir and Emma from our last episode. So today we get to hear about his business. He is creating wealth for the next generation of African-Americans through the cannabis industry. And how? Well, he is the co-founder and CEO of Leaf Spots, Inc., an African-American B2B cannabis transportation and logistics software company. And so in this episode, we not only get to talk a bit about his take on social justice, but we actually get to learn a bit about the tech space as well. By the way, if you've been loving our episodes, be sure to follow me on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And if this has brought any value to you whatsoever, please let me know in a review or in the comments on the blog on my site. And I would love to hear from you and hear what we could even bring more to empower you as entrepreneurs, wantrepreneurs, and people just looking to be inspired to find their purpose. And on with the episode. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, where we make inspirational people known. Brought to you by your host, Fian O'Brien. And welcome to the Okiki Podcast. And today I get the opportunity to interview a special guest. His name is Charles Johnson Esquire, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Leaf Spots Inc. And this is an African-American B2B cannabis transportation and logistics software company. They are also pursuing a class four license in New Jersey. This is really interesting. So I get to interview a tech founder, and he is part of this series that we're doing interviewing entrepreneurs who pitched their products during the brunch pitch. So thank you so much, Charles, for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. And do you mind letting us know and letting the audience know, Charles, how did you get into this space of doing uh, logistics and software and particularly in cannabis? Were you always wanting to be an entrepreneur? And what was your journey that led you here? So it's interesting. I I was speaking with with my co-founder, Sally Stallings, about this back in 2018. It was something that I had thought about years beforehand because I think in college I was telling people that that states and and including the the federal government were able to figure out how to tax cannabis and it would be legalized because it just there were so many parallels between prohibition, the alcohol prohibition piece. But yeah, I I've always wanted to, but it just you know kind of never panned out. So I think thanks to COVID and you know having that lockdown because I'm in New York City. Um, you know, kind of gave me a chance to really focus on my side project. So it started back in about 2018, just organically, we were speaking about it. Then we were originally thinking about delivery. And I I looped in one of my friends um, that's really our tech guy. So I'm technically the non-technical founder. I'm just the statutory legal guy, but um, connected with him. 
spoke with him about some things. Um, he was very interested. And from there, we just, him and I just started building out what we were planning on doing. And then the more that I really looked into it, because originally it was going to be 2019 that we were going to kind of focus in on it. Legislation in New York didn't pass. So it kind of was put on the back burner, but we were still, you know, kind of speaking about it, making sure that this is something we wanted to do. And um, it kind of just really just kind of organically kind of grew into the distribution part, because the more I focused and really looked into the market, I realized that the supply chain piece and a growing upcoming market was going to be extremely important. So just that logistical infrastructure aspect that the um, industry was going to need. So I felt that that was something that we would be able to contribute to. And also with cannabis, I realized that a lot of people have been arrested from it. I have, you know, personal experiences with it from family, you know, directly, vicariously. And I realized that this was an opportunity to get, you know, the younger generation involved in the cannabis space, because I really believe that it touches the STEM subjects, particularly with us, you know, with technology. So I just wanted to kind of expose that and to show, you know, younger kids that, you know, you can be a young Black person in this space. Um, and you don't necessarily have to be owning a dispensary, but there's so many components to this industry. So that's really how it kind of started. Yeah, that is a really fascinating journey and approach, too, because I think we always think of this new industry, a fairly new industry, even in Canada as well, as just the actual product itself and mm -hmm. not all the other pieces that come with it. So that is uh, really fascinating. I know a while back with a nonprofit I volunteer with in my city uh, for Black professionals, we had a lady present who actually had a kind of a store. Again, the actual process of being allowed to have that store was quite lengthy, even though it's now <laughs> legalized. Uh, it was yeah. quite intense. And she kind of talked about that. It was really interesting. And so I just think the opportunities, like you said, to kind of redefine the narrative around it, especially for people of color who had, you know, been criminalized through it or had really bad experiences, that this can now be a new opportunity to kind of create something new for themselves. So given, I guess, COVID and really that holding you back, how long has it been that you guys have actually been able to functionally operate as a company? I mean, once we register our business, <laughs> that, that technically was the start of it. So, you know, we're in that bootstrap stage, raising capital during the seed funding rounds, getting our prototype together. So it's, but it was interesting. I think that because we were tied into the technology component, um, we were able to just kind of utilize, you know, Zooms, um, Google Meets, all the various things. Because in New York, as you know, we were one of the first places to get on the actual lockdown. So, I mean, there was, like, I felt like I, I intimately knew my apartment <laughs> so well here during that time period, though. But it's it's been interesting. We just, like I said, with the considerations of COVID, just being mindful with travel, you know, those things have always kept in mind. But I really believe just as a country or really just as a world, we've, you know, utilized the Zoom aspects and being able to meet with municipalities and other professionals via Zoom, you know, conference calls, you know, just trying to maneuver through it while also staying safe. Yeah, for sure. And another question I wanted to ask too is, I know you talk a lot about logistics and transportation with your software. So is it mainly focused, I guess, in New Jersey and New York in terms of logistics? Because I don't know how mobility has been for the states in terms of this season, but I know in Canada for a long time, a lot of people weren't allowed to just randomly cross the borders to other provinces like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just curious about that function and, and that piece of your business as well. How did that affect yeah. you? 
That was a great question. Um, so right now, the beauty of it is, is that New York, you know, just recently legalized, New Jersey recently legalized, and they, they're actually gearing up for the application. So legally, we can't, you know, transport anything until we get um, licensed by the state. So this has just been an opportunity to really build up the software platform and just um, connect with various networks. But it's been interesting. I think here in the States, though, um, we expect, you know, the neighboring states, because it's the tri-state area, to enter in to the New Jersey market, because that's where we're primarily focused on right now, because that's the most evolved. But it hasn't necessarily affected per se, because legally we can't transport anything anyway. Um, and also, too, outside of just the logistics portion of it, you know, the cultivators, you know, dispensaries, none of those things are just actually operating yet. So we're gearing up for that piece um, and for the actual market to open, because I think we're anticipating the market to open first quarter next year. That's a good point. So you're planning for like the legal aspects of being able to do this as well as the logistics. And so I guess, like you said, in this downtime, you've had more of a time to actually focus on developing the software. So what has that process been for you? And was that involved with like market testing or like surveys with uh, potential customers? What has been that process to help you build something anticipating that the doors will be open for you to use it? Yeah, it's been a combination of all those that you mentioned. Um, to be honest, it's really been a combination of all those pieces. Because again, we 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 know that we're walking a very thin line, you know, because we can't necessarily transport anything. But um, just trying to, like I said, identify that minimal viable market aspect of it and the market validation piece has really just kind of been our focus. Though, just as far as the building out parts of. I'm just very thankful that you know our CTO has that technical piece because he's been able to fill in a lot of those gaps. And I kind of try to leave it over. I really am totally against micromanaging as far as just being a leader for my company. But yeah, that's to kind of answer your question. It's been a kind of push and pull type of situation, though. But um, it's been a combination of all those. For sure. And I know you kind of touched on it before, but I noticed that you have a background being an attorney. And the other uh, lady that I, I mentioned before her background's in law too. Um, mm -hmm. So I found it very interesting that you're both in this space. Was it kind of informed by your knowledge of kind of social knowledge of social events around this legally that really kind of sparked your interest to join such an industry? Yeah, it's a combination of that and then just also just the civil rights components too. So I like I clerked at the EEOC headquarters. Um, so I've always been an advocate for just the civil rights components, especially when it came to employment. I do believe, and I've noticed this as well, that there's a lot of attorneys in the space. I believe that a lot of our skills have been transferable because, you know, we digest statutory law it's like like it's nothing. Like I wear glasses now because of law school. Um, but so I think that's been helpful as far as just being able to understand the legislation, break down legislation, see what parts, you know, that we need to be in compliance with. But from just a social equity component, um, because I'm also a member of the NAACP and just I know our efforts to, you know, to really try to change that narrative when it comes to the war on drugs. That's really one of the bigger parts. And then truth be told, seeing some of these young brothers that live out here that have great business acumen, but just don't have the access to you know, can, like the structure when it comes to just forming business entities and things of that nature. Those are the other parts, because I, I feel like as a millennial, it's our duty to kind of give back or give forward to make sure that we kind of set up the platform for the next generation. So that's really where it comes from, just having those experiences, seeing it firsthand, seeing it, how it's impacted communities, you know, from Jersey to New York City. Um, and it's not just here, just in the tri-state area. It's really just, you know, nationwide where how it's really just destroyed communities and families. 
that's where the major motivation is. But I do believe that having that legal background has helped tremendously when it comes to just understanding how this is going to be extremely highly regulated market and how we have to comply with, you know, statutory law, um, as well as guidelines that are provided by the commissions. Thank you for that. And yeah, it sounds like it worked hand in hand in terms of this, because I know from both sides, I heard there was just so many layers to like, even though it's legal, even though you can start a store, there's just such a process and then understanding like you can do this, but not that. And like, absolutely. (laughs) The average person might be like overwhelmed by like how technical this actually is. Very technical. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned as an entrepreneur, how much work <laughs> it is. Because, you know, you, you hear a lot of people talk about like, you know, promoting the entrepreneurial space and things of that nature, but it's it's a lot. And then when you're dealing with a, like I said, a, a market that's going to be extremely regulated, it's like, oh, there's rules that you have to abide by. It's, it's a lot of things that you have to make sure that you have in place to make sure that you're compliant. So I know like historically, you know, in, in the medicinal aspects of it, there's a lot of what we call vertical licenses to where you can, you know, you can be a cultivator, have a dispensary, have a manufacturing, you know, like all these various layers um, under one umbrella. But now I'm seeing with the recreational piece, it's not necessarily the case. And I do think that's a good thing because it restricts a lot of the larger players in the cannabis space to, you know, just kind of overtake the whole thing. And if the purpose of the legislation in New Jersey and New York is to really focus on, you know, social equity and to, you know, get these participants, um, you know, minority participants in this market that has been demonized for the past few decades, then it makes sense. But it's definitely a lot of work and a lot of layers, a lot of reading, and then just understanding. And even every day I'm learning something, you know, so that's the beauty of it too. So positive is I'm learning something every day, but yeah, it's just making sure that you're in compliance and preparing to be in compliance because you can get a license with anything, you know, liquor, you know, anything, and you can get it taken away because you're not in regulatory compliance. Yeah, super important. And and yeah, thanks for uh, laying that out for the audience. Just understand, I'm sure for the listeners trying to hear like, okay, what is it like to actually be in this industry though? (laughs) Because I know a lot of people might think, oh, I'll just start something here. And there's just so many components to it. Um, I wanted to ask too, in light of the tech space, your development of the tech itself, all the research involved, Um, What led you to the brunch pitch? And is this the only pitch that you've ever taken part in? Oh, no, no. So Tasmir and I, we go back a little bit from, like I said, she with her DM firm, she's uh, done some stuff in the community. I'm heavily involved in the community up here, especially particularly in Harlem. So I'm always trying to support those endeavors and those those ventures. But um, yeah, she reached out to me on it. And to answer your other part of your question, I, yeah, I've done quite a few pitch decks because again, as you're raising capital and things of that nature, the other parts they don't tell you about entrepreneurship is like you're always constantly raising funds. So I've had to, you know, tweak pitch decks, you know, business plans, executive summaries, things of that nature. Because I realized that every time you do it, you know, you're learning and you're getting better. So there's always something to improve on. But um, yeah, that wasn't my first pitch deck. I mean, I've done quite a few. <laughs> I have quite a few under the notch though. But the, with the brunch pitch, it was definitely a great opportunity to showcase Black businesses um, because I think that that's something that's underserved collectively in, in all market segments. Um, so when they, you know, reached out to me about it, you know, she was on my tail about it because she knows that I I was getting all these things in order, but I had to make sure that I participate. And I was so glad that I did because I got, you know, valuable feedback and it's opened mm-hmm. the doors for a lot of other things. 
That's awesome. It is really showcasing individuals from the Black community that have very interesting businesses. So it's been very cool, even on my end, to be able to connect with some of these entrepreneurs from the Brunch Pitch and hear what they're up to. And I guess my second last question for you is, if someone wanted to enter the tech space, whether it be in the cannabis industry itself or just in general, from your community, uh, what would be the advice that you'd give them to get that kickstart? Um, the advice that I would give is to do the research. First, find out, yeah, do the research, identify exactly what the problem you're trying to address, because that's what all of us entrepreneurs are essentially doing. We're finding a problem that we feel like we can address and to help, you know, in a particular industry or to help people, you know, because so for instance, we're focused on business to business, you know, connecting that relationship. But there's also, you know, business to client, you know, B2C. So really just doing research, checking out other people in the space to necessarily kind of get an idea of what you're trying to do. And also the bigger thing too is to um to connect with the technical founder, you know, or technical person on your founding team. Because if you, you know, if you already know how to code and things of that nature, that's great. Like I have, you know, I'm I feel like I'm tech savvy, but you know, those those nuanced things, you definitely want to try to, you know, bring somebody on with that technical experience because it just makes things so much easier. But first things first is really just doing research and really trying to identify the problem and the solution that you're trying to address. Yeah, really, really great advice. Thanks for sharing that. And finally, what do you value the most about the position you're in today with your business? I think what I value the most is just knowing the fact that I'm going to be able to help a lot of people out and also create, you know, jobs within our community, you know, Black jobs and getting people exposed to like I said, the STEM subjects, um, because another thing that's tied into um, with New Jersey, for instance, and New York as well, but mainly right now with Jersey, is that, you know, you have to also build out what's called a social equity plan or social impact plan um, to how you're going to help contribute to rebuilding these communities. I know one of the things that we're focused on is really just helping the youth and identifying the opportunities within STEM. And then with the tech portion as well, you know, just coding, things of that nature. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is to know that, yeah, this is a lot of work, <laughs> but I know that at the end of the day, I'm going to be able to provide jobs for the Black community, you know, and that's economic empowerment, um, which is, I think, one of the things that Dr. King talked about in the whole civil rights movement. We had to shift towards economic empowerment, and I think that this is just a way to help contribute. So that's the, really the biggest thing for me is knowing that I'm going to be able to help do that and just build um, and then the second thing, I guess it would be like a sub thing is just knowing that I'm able to build something that, you know, that I created, you know, was an integral part of creating. It's like it's your baby because it comes from inception and you're starting to see it going to fruition. Those mm. are the two biggest things. Thank you so much for sharing that and sharing so much value for business owners, for entrepreneurs, for people even considering the tech space. It's definitely an adventure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. So yes, it is. Definitely to know what you're getting yourself into, or at least try and have a hint before you start. Thank you so much, Charles, for being on the Okiki podcast and for sharing. And if the audience wants to find you, uh, where can they find you? Uh, you guys can find us on LinkedIn, you know, Leaf Spots Incorporated, L-E-A-F-S-P-O-T-Z, Leaf Spot with a Z, also on Instagram. But so Instagram's kind of weird too, because they've been low-key hating on, on cannabis businesses. So like we've gotten blocked a couple of times. Mm. <laughs> so that's one. But yeah, that LinkedIn is really one of the, the best options though. And also <laughs> too, you know, um, we have our website, www.leafspots with a Z.com. Um, 
And if there's any questions or anything, you can always also shoot us an email at info at leafspots uh, with a Z dot com. Uh, oh, so and one other thing I was going to add to, because oh, yeah. now you have me thinking about it as far <laughs> as one of the other reasons why, like, you know, your last question, mm-hmm. I think it's also just being able to be an example when it comes to the fact that there is less than 2% of like CEOs in the cannabis space are black, mm-hmm. you know, so it's crazy how we were arrested at like over a 90% rate. But when you talk about market participation, we represent less than, you know, 3%. So just being able to show, you know, like I said, the younger folks that, hey, we can be in this space and really trying to increase our inclusion. That's the other part that that really motivates me as well, because it's crazy that it's only, I mean, literally less than 2% of Black CEOs in cannabis. That definitely parallels with uh, the other speaker that I spoke to as well. I might have to connect you two together, uh, even though it's different countries, but... It really did parallel. It was very strange, strange reality for sure. How things yeah. flip, definitely. No, thank you so much again, Charles. And thank you for contributing to the Okiki podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.